Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Uh, here is an oil painting done by my friend Tonka, who happens to be a chimp and who I'm trying to desperately get out of a horrible situation he's in in Missouri and get him to safety and let him roam free again. Here is one of my favourite cushions. I love a cushion. And here's a cushion with my friend Esther the Wonder Pig's face on it. If you don't know who Esther the Wonder Pig is, please find out immediately. And today I'm talking to Cynthia Rowley. What if that line, I boinked Martha Stewart, gets taken out of context? <laughs> Cynthia Rowley was born in a suburb of Chicago but is now a New Yorker through and through. She's a fashion designer with stores all over the world. Her work is so fun and colourful. I just love looking at and wearing her clothes. But she doesn't just do clothes. She does handbags, cosmetics, fragrance, wetsuits, home furnishings, you name it. She's done it. She's also the author of several books. And is just an absolute darling of a person. She's one of my best friends. Her second daughter uh, is my goddaughter. And Cynthia very kindly had uh, that child on my 40th birthday. So I always know how old my goddaughter is. That's the kind of friend she is. I have lots and lots of Cynthia Rowley things on my shelves and my walls. The first thing we're going to talk about as when we chat is actually hilarious because she has little recollection of it, even though it's a seminal moment for me. The first thing I've got from our incoming shelves is a Polaroid with five chimps on it. And I, the, what I what I love about this is that the last time we had this conversation, we talked about this. Our stories about this were like hugely divergent and different. <laughs> so, And of course, I can't remember anything that we I'll even talked about. Yeah. These chimps were the chimps I was in a film with. And when I was yeah. with Saffron, she said to me, oh, uh, we're in LA. She goes, oh, I want to go to this store on Melrose. It's called this designer called Cynthia Rowley. I said, all right, this is like 1996. And so we go to this thing and there was these little uh, sun hats, little flowery sun hats and, that were for kids uh, that you were, had in your store. And I was looking at them and I, and I said to the girl, I said, I actually might buy some of these because I'm doing this film with these chimps and it'd be a nice uh, goodbye gift for the chimps. And she was like, oh, and blah, blah. And then she said to me, look, you know, we will give you these um, hats at a discount if you'd send us a picture of the, of the chimps wearing them. 
And I was like, sure, I'll do that. So I go back, I give the, I give the hats to the chimps at the end of the film. That's so thirsty. That's so thirsty. Yeah. (laughs) And then I go, then I'd come back to the store and I say, here you are. And uh, there's a um, Polaroid. I give her the Polaroid because it was those days of the chimps and and she put it on the wall. And then uh, in the store in LA, and then, you know, a, a while goes by where I'm two years later, I'm in New York, I'm um, doing cabaret and I'm modeling. I'm doing, I'm I'm modeling for Tommy Hilfiger, believe it or not. And I did this fashion show and I did a a shoot campaign thing. And the person who was uh, interviewing me for this, there was a thing where they interviewed you and then like kind of above your head on when you walked down the runway, it said what your dreams were. And so there was a sort of an interview person to talk to you about this. And so the guy he was interviewing me was a friend of yours. And whilst we were chatting, he and I, you called up and said hello. Oh, you know who it is? Was it David Coleman? Yes, it was. David Coleman. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. It's all coming back to me now. So then we, you and I started chatting on the phone when, because I went, oh, gosh, I, you know, I want to thank her for, she doesn't know it, but she gave me these, um, uh, these chimps, this present of these hats. And, <laughs> and then, so we got on the phone and started chatting, got on like a house on fire. I remember Dave was a bit pissed off that in the middle of his interview with me, you were, <laughs> why he answered the phone, I don't know. But, but then, well, so, also, you so, know, I can talk to anyone forever. <laughs> yes, anyway. <laughs> the gift of the gab. Cap so, drivers, whatever. So, so that was how I. Uh, but did you? But then, but then you later on you said you didn't remember seeing the Polaroid of the chimps with the, with your hats on. I don't think I still haven't seen it. I don't think. Ah, uh, I thought you told me you had, and that maybe I just told you the story, and you just thought it was funny. I think I imagined it, and I definitely remember the hats because weren't they patchwork, like little cute? I think I took all the fabrics, my my leftover fabrics. And hmm. cut them into squares, sewed them all together, and made those cute that bucket right. hats. Yeah, little bucket hats. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it and was that so cute. Was how we met, and I remember all of that, and I remember the phone call, and then then the I came to your fashion thing show. That you were in my, my show. Yeah. Oh no, you came. You no, came, I came, came to a fashion show. Yeah. It was so exciting because so that was the next the next time after that we met on the telephone. And then I think you invited me to your fashion show. So that's, it would be September, I guess, uh, fashion week of uh, 98. I remember it was, because I've been going to some fashion shows because I was, you know, a model then. And uh, <laughs> and I uh, and I remember that it was like, oh, it was in such an unusual place. It was the top of a skyscraper somewhere. And it was on the roof of a skyscraper. And you had all deck chairs. And so the runway was kind of wound around all these people in deck chairs. And I remember like the gift you got um to uh, take home was a sort of a stripy towel yep. of yours. Yep. And I remember I took uh, Saffron, my uh, ex's uh, uh, little brother, Santi, he was in town and he was like about 12 or something at the time. And I took him as my date to, to this fashion show and he thought it was amazing. And wow. it was so exciting because it was like on the top of a big tall building. Where was that? I can't remember exactly where it was, but I do remember the whole scene, the, the rooftop. And also because, you know, like with my shows, if there isn't a 50-50 chance that it's going to be an epic, um, amazing show or a, at the end of my career and a complete disaster, 
then I might as well not even do it. So like all, all those things, like what if it rained? What if yes. it, you know, was, you know, who knows? There were a million things that could have gone wrong. And actually, um, I do remember it was a men's, strictly men's show when oh, we used it? to, yeah, when we used to do those men's shows. Male models, as you know from being one, are, <laughs> yes. can, can kind of get a little uh, crazy Pissy. sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah. the opposite, like really just, they don't care. They're all, you know, oh, yeah. most male models are like, oh, I was on a construction site. Someone walked by and said, wow, you're, you should be a model. You know, they, nobody ever yeah. wants to say like they wanted to be a model. And so they went on right. casting. It's always yeah. like, you know, I was forced into it. Anyway, the guy that opened the show was this real, I loved him, um, like a real prankster. And I think I know the one. I think I, he was sort of blonde. I think. Was it sort of blonde, browny hair? Yeah. And obviously really gorgeous. Really cute. Gorgeous. Yeah. So quite, quite a muscly one. Quite a muscly one of the, not so, not so much a skinny one. He had kind of, he had guns. Yeah. Yeah. So first he shows up day of the show. He had already had his fitting and everything. He shows up day of the show on crutches. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so What's happened? He's like, don't you, it'll be okay if I just walk. And he was the opener, you know, he's like, if I just walk with these, I was like, no, what, what am I going to, so I'm like, you can't do it. We can't do, you know, this is crazy. Anyway, then he throws the crutches away and takes off this fake brace that he had on his leg. And it was all just a joke. Ah, I see. Ah, and he did that on the runway too. And then on the runway, he comes out in this, like, it was a really fun colored suit and. Um, he has a giant flower pinned on the, the lapel. And I'm like, oh, I don't see it until he's already out there, you know? And then uh-huh. I'm like, what is he doing? And it's one of those squirting flowers. And he was walking on the runway, squirting everyone in the front row, <laughs> like throughout the whole show. It was, it was crazy. It was funny. Those crazy male models. I know. Where do you think you get your what do you why do you think you are so colorful and fun and why you've kind of always had that sort of you've stood out from the pack in terms of your aesthetic and what is that about Oh well thanks um I would kind maybe I would attribute it to a certain uh amount of optimism mm-hmm. maybe to me like color is I don't know. Maybe I, th- I think because I, I started painting, I started out in art school where like right. playing with color was something that, you know, you could manipulate uh, a vision with print, like with that, with the, with the play, play of colors against each other mm. and um, contrasting. I don't know. I, that is a good, it is what it is. I don't know. It really is what it is, though. Like, I can't. I, you know, remember when, like, severe um, gray fashion was, like, yes, super yes. trendy? I was just yeah. like, I'm just going to hide out and wait till this is over because <laughs> I can't do it. Not I me. Just can't. Yeah, I just can't do it. It's just, yeah. 
in my head. And what's the story as well? So, so you were at art school and then you started making clothes and what you were sitting next to a lady on a plane and she saw your sketches or something and that's how you got your first sales as a designer. Is that right? Oh, that is a way more glamorous story than the reality. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a plane, it was the subway system in Chicago. Oh. And instead of sketches, it was a kind of homemade jacket that I was wearing. And um, it was a buyer for a store that asked me about it. And I said, oh, it's my jacket. I designed it. I'm, I'm a designer. And she gave me her card and said, be in my office with your collection on Monday. And it was like a Friday. And I didn't even know what the that meant but I sewed all weekend and brought stuff to her office and um she asked about the first item that I pulled out of the uh plastic uh suit bag that I had taken from my boyfriend's suit or something and um she was like what's the style number on that and I was like oh that's style number one (laughs) <laughs> and then what's the style number on that style number two and uh <laughs> anyway that is how i got my first order and and what what shop was it what store it was it's it was called marshall fields it was a department uh-huh. big department store it was kind of like what you what Saks would be but in the right. midwest and um and so it was kind of a big deal and I knew, had no, no idea what I was doing and just <laughs> sewed everything and delivered it to her office. Like one off pieces, one off pieces. She ordered 18 pieces of this one item, this one little jacket. And mm-hmm. I sewed it all. I cut it on the floor in my apartment. I sewed it all myself. I delivered it in shopping bags to her office and she was like, <laughs> what are you doing here? And I was like, here's your stuff. Here you go. She's like, you ship to a distribution center. It goes to the, yeah, like just clueless, just really clueless. But, but she, she's, t- she took pity on me. And I love me. that. Yeah. And, help me. And, and then you started to be, you started like to be a, have your own design company after that. I mean, I still do stuff like that. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, <laughs> Really? Like, there's no rules, you know? It's not like, you know, I'm going to go to jail for, like, doing something stupid. But so you just have to try, you know? I just... I remember being with you in a... I remember you literally being sewn into a dress when we went to the CFDA Awards. I was going to say, which time? (laughs) Which time, yeah. So you let your... I mean, there was a time that I was with you. I mean, I've seen that at at fashion shows and things, but I've never quite seen it at, um, you know, going out for a night out with someone. And so they sewed you into the thing, your people from your your, uh, store... And uh, then we got in and like a sort of a minivan came for us, like a people traveler came for us. And and you were like, well, probably I so I wouldn't get I, wrinkled. That's right. So it's like so that you and you couldn't sit down. So you had to sort of you ask them if they could put the 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 uh, the window on the top, the skylight thing open so you could stand all the way to the, <laughs> the Met. So, but then you realize that would like 
screw up all your hair. So you kind of like, like they, then we like laid this chair backwards so that like you, were, you had to basically lie down and then be helped That's up, what they like do. propped up again. And then That's I remember they, people... like we, it's mental. And then when we got to the Met, it must have been for the Met ball actually. And um, when we got to the Met, um, there was all these lines of limos and, and, and you were like, we can't have the people carrier arriving outside. Yeah, so we got out round the corner and walked elegantly up the steps. But it was like a wee it guy like in a... like a sprinter a, van or something. To, yeah, yeah, totally. Like a, the thing you would go on like trips to the country with when you were in the scouts, you know. And uh, <laughs> hilarious. But I just thought that was... And then I, was, I just remember thinking, what if you want to go to the loo? And you're just, you were like, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll I just won't. rip it off. I'll rip it off when I get home. <laughs> that's, that's what we have to do for fashion. Always. Suffer. And I remember then oh, another time at the Met Ball, I wore an outfit of yours that caused a sensation. Do you remember the sort of Highland thing? And I had a, I had a kilt and it was a sort of, yeah. a, it, was a, it, was, it was one of your kilts, a little mini kilt, a little, little high on the knee. And, a, and there's a very uh, dashing slash uh, where you could see up my thigh and yeah. I had these boots and I had like kind of like very romantic sort of uh, almost new romantic uh, a shirt, you know, that's kind of all little ribbons hanging from it and stuff. And, a, and I had a big sort of flouncy berry with an enormous feather, an enormous like pheasant feather. <laughs> that went, And I remember I kept boinking people in the eye when I turned my head because my feather. And I remember I boinked Martha Stewart. Uh, he was at another table. Wait, uh, what if that line, I boinked Martha Stewart, gets taken out of context? <laughs> I'm, sure that'll be the, I'm sure that'll be the line that will start this show. That's uh, the full quote. There you go. But uh, yes, it was caused a sensation. And Martha, I remember, like, I boinked her and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then later, we were at the next table turn. She said, she sort of, um, mouthed to me I like your outfit and I, I, I mouthed back I like yours and she went come here and so I went over and we started having a, a laugh and, a, and a, a nice chit chat but she was a big fan she is really funny she's ah. she's crazy fun I think something happened when she went to jail and she just got transformed into like a kind of rad chick I don't know She she's <laughs> way cooler than the first time yeah. I met her, you know. Yeah, no, it's almost like she doesn't care anymore. I mean, she doesn't. She's. I think she sees that people don't care. It's almost. I mean, it's. I'm. I have a whole theory about Martha Stewart, which is that when she went to prison she, and everything, I think she what? start. She smokes a lot of weed. I think that's the main. I think she must do now. Yeah, with <laughs> Snoop Dogg being her bestie, but she. But she was this, you know, too perfect American goddess, and so that everybody actually really hated her they tried to be like her they bought all her things they wanted to be perfect they wanted to do that thing that they felt they had to do because it was Martha Stewart and she sort of was the epitome of all that you know class and stuff but actually secretly they hated her because they felt they were never they could never um uh you know be as good as she wanted them to be so that when she went to prison and had this big fall everyone had this great bout of schadenfreude uh you know and America loves sort of uh uh uh, a comeback story as well so when she kind of came back and triumphed and was in this new frame of mind I think it was partly to do with the fact that you know Martha realized that that was her thing she she was had those great high standards had all that sort of 
There was opinions about stuff, but other people didn't necessarily. And that was fine. I just think she realized that people don't care quite as much. And I think she cared less and it made her a very different person. That's my theory. I love that theory. Do you know years ago, I've, uh, Honey, remember Honey, my dog? She, um, who, who, I Aww. talk about her in every episode of this show. She once, because she was, a, you know, she was quite a media personality. She once got asked to do have her own reality show. And I was like, what? And they, and they wanted to have like a camera <laughs> on her, like a doggy cam. And then obviously they'd have a crew follow, following me, I suppose. But they wanted, it was basically what her life is like. And actually now I think it would be quite a hilarious idea. It'd be lovely to look back on. But at the time I was like, oh my God, even my fucking dog is, <laughs> has to be on a reality show. <laughs> it's ridiculous. See, now that I would watch. That would be so funny. <laughs> you only You only meet people from like the thighs down you know like nothing above just barely above the kneecaps that'd be be so great that's like i always notice that when i hide from our dogs i i I always do hide and seek and and they come in (laughs) they come into the room and grant goes where is he where is he and they run around and it's so funny sometimes i just stand in the corner and like put a chair in front of me and i can see them and if they but they never they never look up it's so hilarious (laughs) <laughs> it makes oh me feel God. good about myself. I can't wait to play hide and seek with Ziggy. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and you get into the thing of it becomes a habit. They know that when they go into a certain room or like or the last walk, Grant takes them out for the last walk of the night when we're in the city. I always hide. And in our place in the city, there's loads of places to hide. <laughs> but I usually I usually do it on one floor because Jerry can't make up the stairs. But it's such fun. It's such a good game to play. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch with me, Jay Rayner, the podcast in which I take a particularly brilliant famous person to a top restaurant and grill them to a turn. In this latest season, you'll find me having delicious dinners with the likes of Patrick Keelty, David Hare, Nina Conti, Dame Eileen Atkins and Mary Beard and the reliably outrageous Miriam Margulies. Richard E. Grant was on that. He has an always compulsion to smell whatever's around him. Has he never come and sniffed you? (laughs) Probably wisely. No. (laughs) All that and so much more. So do join me, Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Anyway, I'd like to move on to our second item now, uh, okay. which is, so what I've got here, I've taken it down. It's not strictly speaking on Alan Cumming shelves. It's on 
Alan Cummings wall. It's in a, it's a, a picture. It's a, in a framed picture of a sketch of yours that is uh, of me when I walked in your show in I think like ninety nine. The one was the one was at uh, Grand Central Station, yep. and it's got. I had a little ponytail, a little sort of you know like like pebble from the Flintstones, a little sort of ponytail sticking out the top of my head. That was and all your it, idea. Was it? Yeah, I remember. (laughs) And I've got these trousers. It says, it says says number one. And the number one, it says leather trim lace up pants. And they're these really great pants with a sort of almost a cod piece sort of vibe going on. Sexy red shirt, cigarette and attitude. And I'm smoking a (laughs) cigarette and I've I've got my hand on my waist and I'm looking like sort of a skinny pebble Flintstone rock star. And then the other one, is uh, it says number two leather trim lace up pants singlet undershirt sheer yet manly neck ruff i love that touch <laughs> <laughs> black boots cigarette and attitude and it's a little there's a little um piece of fabric with a pin actually a real piece of fabric stuck to this drawing and i've, wow. I've got it yeah and I've, i actually you made me a ruff i don't think i ended up wearing the ruff in that uh uh show actually i don't think i wore any either of these things in that show i uh, only remember one thing that you wore what was that didn't wear <laughs> what okay so <laughs> i remember the idea that we were okay well let's set the stage because again 50 yes. 50 chance end of my career or amazing Fabulous. Epic show, yeah, right? yeah. so let's do it in grand central at rush hour just because <laughs> yeah. you know you, it won't be too chaotic or anything. <clears throat> how did you get, I mean, how did you get the, the permission to do that? It must have been so difficult. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Like, how did I get permission for so many things? I don't know. <laughs> yes. I used to send cupcakes to people <laughs> with like a nice note. Oh, pretty please. Um, uh, so I, I had that idea and the runway was down, down the middle, like a long, long, long hall and mm. and then the girls would walk on the runway and then the guys would cross the runway like briskly walking like with briefcases and stuff like that they were running for a train but they oh, were I actually the models and right, I right. don't remember anything about you being in the main show but I what I do remember is at the end, like a group of girls, like say 10 models or whatever, were all supposed to put on these big taffeta skirts <laughs> and then come out at the end as like a whole rainbow of, you know, these beautiful taffeta skirts and come yes. down the runway. And But guess what happened? <laughs> and I don't I remember don't... at what order if you were first or last but I'll... i was first so i remember what happened was that was that great girl erin i remember because i actually watched a video of this recently so i opened the show with with my little pebble uh you know hair all in little lots of pebble flintstone things lots of little kind of wee ponytails on top of my head and uh i had a i had those pants on but i had a black i looked like a black sort of uh sort of medieval black spy or something like that and i opened the show and then at the end and Erin, Erin O'Connor, that lovely girl, oh, that lovely yes. model, 
she was like, so she was, I mean, she really was supposed to open the show, but I did. And then she came next. And then at the end, it would be like Erin was coming down in this uh, dress. But what we did was I went out and it was a, a long skirt that went down to your feet. And she had, a, she had the top part and I wore the bottom part. And so I walked out first topless uh, with this kind of thing on, uh, in like a skirt, long, long skirt on. And then she came out, like sort of going, you've got my skirt, you've got my skirt. And we, <laughs> and then we kind of did a bit of a shtick. And then we walked down together. Like, as the, so the whole outfit was uh, uh, complete, but it was over two uh, humans. But one of the things interesting about that is it was very ahead of its time. It's very, you know, non-binary, very gender fluid. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you looked amazing. And I think that it we actually, looked, we, like, Aaron, why wouldn't and I you look wear kind that? of alike? Why wouldn't I? And also we looked kind of similar. Like we were, I was very skinny at the time. And, and she's like this tall, long drink of water, both dark hair. Yeah. You know, I thought it was actually kind of nice. It's very androgynous sort of vibe going on. Yeah. I, really, I always really love that idea. And I always think genderless. I always want to people to think of my clothes as genderless. I mean, mm. obviously you can't, you know, a lot of things you can't, but um, when possible, I think, I think it's I think you've nice. succeeded in that. Yeah, I think Try. a lot of your clothes are very, yeah, they are very gender non-specific. I was thinking about this point before we talked, like a lot of the clothes I've got of yours that I've kept over the years, I are, are really... Actually, I'm wearing something right now. I wore something <gasps> specially that you would see on this podcast, but of course you can't see me. It's that... Um, it's quite recent. It's the sort of stripy long sleeve top and it's sort of stripy blue and red and orange stripes on it. And it's very much to me feels like I'm a sort of a teenager in the 50s. Oh, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I'm on an episode of Mad Men and I'm the child yeah. running about. And um, yeah. someone's saying, go out there and play with that plastic bag. <laughs> and uh, I, I always think of them as very colorful. Remember when I hosted Saturday, Saturday Night Live, I wore you uh, for my opening thing. And it was uh, like a, it was like a pair of shorts that were sort of uh, with that very kind of, again, sort of very evocative Americana squares on them, orange squares on a kind of a beigey sort of, you know, beigey background, Sh- long shorts like that. And an orange uh, t-shirt, you know, shirt with a collar. What do you call it? Whatever that you call that thing, with sort of little flowers on it as well. So I always think it's really great. You mix up patterns, and also you mix up sort of feminine things with masculine things, like little flowers on a on a shirt. I thought it was great. Wait, I need to see that. I'm going to Google. <laughs> I have to find that. That sounds amazing. Wait, I think I yeah, was you there. Google. You were, you came. Yes, you you came. Yeah, I was there. Men in shorts, like shorts becoming a sort of a, a thing as um, a sort of, you know, with suits and everything. And that, that that was something you did ages ago. Like I, those shorts to me were like dress shorts, you know, and I did. I wore them to the to, to, to host Saturday Night Live. And then many, many years later, when I hosted um, the Tonys, I wore a, a short suit, like a, 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 a lovely, it was a lilac color. That, that designer, um, Stefan F., do you know him? He used yeah. to have a place in the... Oh, he's really nice. And um, I wore a suit by him. Uh, and it was a lovely lilac suit. Very, very nice, very formal. But I had shorts um, on. And it was caused a fucking sensation. This is like 2015. <laughs> it was like I w- I'd worn a jock strap to, the, to host the Tonys. 
I, no, I remember like, that. I remember that. Wait, were you with Krista? No, Krista Genoweth. Your... Yeah. yeah, yeah, Kristen yeah. was my thing. Oh, perfect. And uh, we had such a laugh. I mean, actually, it was a kind of a nightmare. But uh, the actual evening was, you know, that the sort of the frenzy of all. But I, I, it was such fun. But the the next day it was all this furor about the fact that I'd, and there was a couple of outfits I think I had shorts on but because it was the opening that's the one that everybody saw just people went nuts and of course the, the line sold out at the from the store because course, some yeah. people liked it I, mean, I remember just people said that they thought he said he, he thinks he's being edgy. He just seems middle aged. That's what one that's the, that's the quote, uh, of course, aside from all the good ones have been forgotten. But that was that Frank Rich man in the New York magazine said he, that I seem middle aged. I think like, I am fucking middle aged, bitch. That, Deal with it. That's what. OK. What, <laughs> OK. First of all, I will say you have always been fearless. We'll go back to that. But yes. this is the best quote that um I read that Dita Von Teese said that some someone said to her, you know, you're so famous. You're so like everyone pays so much attention to you and you're not even that pretty. And she said, <laughs> and she said, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> isn't that the best? <laughs> so oh, I love her. I use that all the time. I'm it, like, if people insult me, I'm like, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Because what yeah. are they going to say? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay, so, great. I love that. So back to fearless. What I oh, mean, yeah. I could go through a long list of boykinis. <laughs> With I a remember, champagne bottle inside it. <laughs> I remember a black satin suit that you borrowed to wear to a summer event and it came back and the pants actually came back in two separate legs attached yeah. at the waistband. And, and I, I was I like, have to, uh, and I would like to apologize. What exactly <laughs> happened? Here? Well, this is, I should tell everybody. So I borrowed a suit. This is a thousand years ago. It was for some event in LA. Cynthia kindly shipped me this lovely suit to this event. I wore it. It was great. It was a huge sensation. Then, uh, I, I, I sent it back to Cynthia, and there was a there was it was ripped at the seam at the crotch, and uh, I but, like, wasn't until many years way. later, <laughs> all the way, yeah. And what had happened was later on in the evening, I had been uh, entertaining uh, a young gentleman, and I straddled this young gentleman uh, with my suit on, and the entire thing ripped because it was that style where the the thighs were very tight. You know, the sort of, sort of that look was of tight uh, and that, yeah, yeah, it's like a tight. So it's like so when you opened your legs wide to straddle someone, I should have taken my trousers off first, but I was I was just I was you know I I had the fire in me, and uh, I ripped these things. I was like, oh my gosh, and I I don't know if I knew you that well at the time. I must have done, I suppose. But anyway, I just, I just was, I didn't say anything, and I just thought, well, I'll just put it back in the box and send it back. <laughs> and then I remember you, years later when I confessed this, and you said, "Alan, that's so terrible." Because you went into your, uh, into your store and s- shouted at the seamstresses for bad workmanship. But it's actually I'd been straddling some boy in the back of a taxi in LA. <laughs> well, I heard, I heard the um, story that Mick Jagger would have all his suits made in two sizes. One was huh. for the small size, very tight, uh, would be made for walking the red carpet. And then after the event or whatever, he would uh, change into the bigger size so he could straddle. 
people, I guess. That's right. Yeah, I guess. Yes, I'm totally (laughs) with them. Because I have have some things, you know, I up here, actually, in the Catskills, I've got a lot of clothes that I keep that I've worn, I really love, and I don't want to throw, you know, give them away or recycle them. I keep them up here because we've got lots of space. And I tried something on recently and I thought, oh, have I put on weight? And it's not, I haven't actually, I've lost weight, but... It's that thing of sometimes you you get a, an outfit and I'm I'm sort of sample size I, I and I hate going for fittings so I, I I will try and squeeze into anything so I don't have to go for a fitting <laughs> and usually if it's the waist you can cover if it's a little tight you can cover it with the jacket you know all this stuff so I I have got a couple of things that are so incredibly tight for me that I could never wear them to a normal throughout a normal evening but because I can I can make it for like you know the twenty minutes you're on the red carpet. You'd have to it's, go it's, in a sprinter van or maybe... I'd have, to be, a, I'd have to be carried horizontally by my friends and then just propped up onto the red carpet. And then as soon as I get off the red carpet, I exhale and all the buttons pop off and yeah. hit Martha Stewart in the eye. Full Monty. <laughs> the whole thing just blows yes. apart. Yes. I remember once you, I, when I got nominated for an Emmy and I, and I asked you to make me an outfit and I remember I said... I wanted something flowy and sort of, um, flu- it was exactly, you made exactly, but you said, this is not what I thought you were going to say. I wanted, I said, I want something sort of like, you know, like a, like a dinner suit, but sort of like dinner suit meets pajamas. That's what I wanted. Like yeah. a, you know, a, 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 a black tie meets pajamas. And you made me this great thing. And I remember it was such a good look. It was, it was sort of a, I, looked like, I wanted to look like a 1930s or 20s movie star. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I had, I had sunglasses and, uh, yeah, it's a very good look. I am just here to make your dreams come true. Ah, bless you. You do make my Wasn't dreams come true. Wasn't it like a soft tie or something you had with it? Like a little soft, almost like a like a, bow or something? It was almost Did like a... a Yes, it was like a floppy tie, a floppy bow tie floppy. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, that I've got that. Uh, that was a good look. And also, I've got that uh, rough you made me. It's been on these shelves for a good few years. I better give it a little. But I thought I've got to get bring that out and give that a wear. A proper, <laughs> you know, Elizabethan rough. Now, so good. What was, oh, that was from the show, the runway show that you I wore. I think this. it was from this photo. Yes, from this picture. So I've yes. got, I'm wearing it in this sketch. But I never actually wore it in the show. So you must have, I think you sent it to me afterwards. Because I remember it came in a really long box because it was all laid out. You know, it wasn't in a circle. It was laid out long. And uh, it looked like a kind of a sort of a centipede. And then I realized it was the rough, like uh, <laughs> uh, undone. So that should be, I think that's going to be my look for uh, post-COVID uh, fashion look is I'm going to try and bring roughs back. It's actually a very good social distancing thing. Because people have to stay a little bit away from you because you'll get boinked by your rough. Remember where you heard it first. (laughs) Cynthia Rowdy, this has been such fun and I'm so uh, grateful to you for coming out of your infrared sauna and uh, talking to me. What if I was in the infrared sauna the whole time? Maybe. Ooh, that'd that be great. Be. We'd be doing a radi- it'd be a radioactive podcast. The first ever radioactive <laughs> podcast. And- oh my God. <laughs> um, so any excuse to be able to have a chat with you is uh, amazing. Bless you, my darling. I, I can't wait you. to see you in real life soon. Yes. No, Let, our- let's, have a, let's have a fantastic dinnery, chatty, boozy club coming in night out as soon as it's as soon Stantily as we're vaccinated clad, yes. yeah jock strap and, and rough all right take care oh. thank you <laughs>
All right, love to the fam. Yes, same. Love you. Thank you. Bye. Well, I'm going to put my picture of uh, Cynthia's designs back on its place in Alan Cummings' shelves. And I hope you'll join me next time for more fun and more memories and more friendship. Take care. Alan Cummings' shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.